Welcome to Navigating the Spectrum with Michelle Portlock. I'm your host, Michelle Portlock, and I'm sure happy that you joined me today. Today, we are going to be speaking with Natasha Kletter. And Natasha is the creator of the I Want to Tell You book series. And I want to tell you listeners that I am super excited to have Natasha on here. Thank you, Natasha, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm really excited. Well, I'm excited because I was just telling Natasha, I really love sharing useful and meaningful resources. And I feel like what Natasha has created and what she is doing can be of such use for so many parents raising children with additional needs. So Natasha, I want to start out by asking you to tell tell us about you. Uh, Well, I... (laughs) am a neurotypical that grew up in a very neurodiverse family um, and then went to school for mechanical engineering. Didn't think I would ever need it, (laughs) Uh, but it was just kind of something to do and got married uh, and had, we had our first son 10 years later and he was born uh, needing open heart surgery and was on feeding tubes because he couldn't figure out how to nurse. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, over time, global developmental delay was the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, very curious if he was autistic, um, even as like a almost a toddler, I could tell the 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 feeding problems were were not the the doctor said it was because of his heart and I felt like that how could that be but you know they're doctors and at the very beginning mm-hmm. of these journeys they really listen to the doctors yes. um, take it <laughs> as gold <laughs> that they say um, but so as I I started learning more and we began early intervention and we started physical therapy and speech therapy and occupational therapy and we had tons of appointments at the children's hospital and it was just it was our lifestyle mm-hmm. um, just the back to back appointments and you are um, you know feeding snacks in the car um, it was a whirlwind. Was this your oldest child? Yes, it was our first. You know, those those first four years really were just nothing but appointments. But it was at 18 months. um, My daughter, our second child, was born when he was 19 months old. And so then I was taking two kids, two babies, (laughs) you know, sitting in OT nursing the second one. And of course, when you, when you have a baby who doesn't have feeding problems and who engages in a typical way, you start to connect the dots a bit also, Mm -hmm. um, that there's, there's something going on. Mm -hmm. But so he did, I started buying books with photographs because I could tell that he, you know, he wasn't interested in the typical baby books and I wanted to communicate with him. So I started using sign language, but he had some uh, motor skills challenges. And so we, I simplified sign language and I started using the photographs to communicate with him. The interventionist wanted us to go to use PECs, of course, picture exchange communication system and Mm -hmm. he didn't like it 
Um, so I made my own using photographs and got a laminator and a Velcro uh, system. And the whole time I just felt like this is nonsense. Moms can't be doing this. Yeah. <laughs> this is asking far too much of, of parents and caregivers to be sitting down and creating binders of photos and to purchase a laminator and to purchase Velcro and, and you know, the ink for the printer. It felt like this is not reasonable to be asking of parents um, who are already stretched thin. And uh, I took note that my son really liked the books with the photographs and he liked the books with the buttons. Yes. Uh, and that was kind of where the idea uh, came about. We were, I was accustomed to kind of doing things differently with him um, using preferred items and highly motivating items to uh, engage with him. And we were engaging with the button books, but they would say red, yellow, orange as the audio buttons, but mm -hmm. he would open up to the photos inside. And on the yellow page was a photo of a banana and he would gesture to the banana, letting me know that's what he wanted to eat. And mm -hmm. he would gesture to the blueberries on the blue page and it was kind of like, boy, if we could just have a, a, one of these soundboard books with all food, mm -hmm. he would be able to communicate. And um, all kids could do this. It, it's fun. This is, it feels like a toy. Yes. And that's where the idea came about. Fast forward, we tried all different sorts of, all sorts of uh, communication devices. And I ended up having to design his app. Um, his high tech device. And then at six years old, he was diagnosed with a very rare genetic disorder um, that actually speech develops around six years old. So mm -hmm. um, the whole time before we knew that speech would eventually come about, we would have people, well-meaning people say, one day he's just going to start talking and he's never going to stop. And I thought they were so rude. <laughs> like, how <laughs> say that it, it hurt my heart so bad, but he did. Um, but that's not a, um, typical thing to have happen. So, um, you know, I, I would never say that to another family. One day they're talking like, no, we need to just work on communication. Yes. You know what I think is so fascinating? I've actually never heard of a diagnosis where they start speaking around six. That's so fascinating. Had you ever heard of anything like that before no, he received that? Not at all. I was researching genetic disorders because it did seem very odd. The, the heart problems and he has a small, he's very small size and the feeding problems. And so of course, I was researching autism and, you know, this was six, seven years ago where I really dove in deep. And that was before a lot of the recent research, more accurate research lately. Um, but so I was looking into Williams syndrome, Fragile X, and I, we did have, uh, we consulted with the geneticist. They did the microarray and the Fragile X and the MTHR mutation tests mm -hmm. and they all came back normal and the geneticist said that's it and I thought this can't be it 
we mm-hmm. we need to push further, but insurance denied our request for whole exome sequencing. And it took two or three years of continuing to work with a geneticist. And then by the time my daughter was the same size and um, speaking and doing all the typical things, uh, that's when they realized, okay, it's time to appeal. And so when yes. I, when I work with now, uh, if I hear that a geneticist has, is not willing to appeal, it's like, no, push harder, <laughs> get mm-hmm. that appeal going. Um, because it is a whole process and the benefits of having that genetic disorder diagnosis or pursuing it is the information. Um, you can learn so much more about your child's health and um, you can connect with families in support groups for that genetic disorder. And just kind of, it feels good. It, that's an inclusive place. You feel like other people are on a similar path. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like when you didn't know, first of all, the wait and see that you're kind yeah. of talking to me about that, that is that is a terrible place to put parents and their children. It's it's telling them, I'm going to have you function in a place of limbo and not knowing um, for a little while longer. Just watch and let's wait and see. And I think parents, sometimes when we hear that from professionals, we think, okay, well, they're the professional yep. and they know, so I will wait and see. But it's okay to trust your gut instinct as a parent and and push a little harder like like what you were saying earlier we can push for those things it's okay yes it's so important mm-hmm. there have been times with my son's journey where I trusted my instincts and it really paid off um in in pretty big ways his heart surgery was the first time and um, that's another thing that I really encourage families that if you feel like there's something going on, keep going, like be the squeaky mm-hmm. wheel, be annoying mm-hmm. <laughs> it's with the school system too. It's not just with doctors and therapists, mm-hmm. it's with the schools mm-hmm. um, be that parent who is known and who gets answers. It, it gets services. It gets resources. It's so important. It yeah. is really important. And I sometimes feel like the wild card uh, for my kids because I'm constantly pushing and I say things like I promise I'm not a helicopter mom but the truth (laughs) is (laughs) when I'm talking to other professionals that I'm that I'm pushing but what I do say is it's funny because I always thought I had to have a reason why and the reason is I need help from my child and I'm willing to push for that help that's all plain and simple. And it's not just for our child, for our own mm-hmm. child. It's also paving the way for future families as well. Mm-hmm. We are making sure that the resources become more available. And so that other parents know what they can access. And when I, I battled with Medicaid for my son's uh, medical durable device, they denied it. Um, the assistive communication device because it was expensive Mm -hmm. and it took a couple of years or a year and a half, I think. And after the denial, we appealed, I had to do a virtual court hearing for it and describing why 
my son needs a communication device and with the medical durable durable device that's what can actually go into a school as opposed to an ipad Mm -hmm. um with an app but i felt like at that point even though he wasn't using a communication device exclusively because his speech was developing Mm -hmm. it wasn't just about us it was Mm -hmm. about the families who are going to come after us who really truly their child needs to bring that device into a school setting Mm -hmm. um, or even into the community Uh, We need to make this happen and uh, assuring that our, our non-speaking children have access to communication. It paves the way for their entire life. They need to be able to communicate and not just on a, you know, I want a cookie level, Mm -hmm. but for self-advocacy, for safety, it reduces frustration. So automatically, behaviors are going to go down or reduce Mm -hmm. because behaviors are communication. Mm -hmm. And if we can give a healthy outlet for the child to communicate what is going on, if, you know, if they have a stomach ache, if something happened at school, they need to be able to communicate that it's, it's so important. It is important. We need to be able to meet even just the basic needs of our children. Hopefully we go beyond that, but our children, I I can't imagine what it would be like to have a list of needs or to have specific needs and not be able to get those needs to someone to do something about or to help me with. That would be so frustrating. Frustrating. I've, I've encouraged parents who are, you know, on the fence about assistive communication. I say, okay, well, how about for the whole day, you are not allowed to speak. You cannot handwrite a note. You cannot text a, a message. You have no way to communicate what you need to do, that you need to go to the bathroom, that, you know, what do you want for dinner? N- nothing. You have zero method of communication. How how frustrated are you going to be by the end of the day? Mm-hmm. Now imagine feeling like that all the time. Yeah, I just, I can't imagine that. I really can't. And I'm so grateful that you took a step beyond just knowing what he needed and 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 also went to develop something that could be useful <laughs> to him and to other kids. So was that your motivation? Was your yeah. son... Absolutely. A hundred percent. I never would uh, be on this path without him. Um, it has been quite a roller coaster with his medical and neurological uh, challenges, mm-hmm. but I have come to realize um, that I've been surrounded by neurodiversity my whole life. And mm-hmm. I often reflect upon if the neurodiverse adults in my life when I was a child, if they had been supported through their childhood, how different their lives would look like, you know, the artists they would have became and Mm -hmm. the writers they would have became. Um, But instead they were going through, you know, the seventies, eighties and nineties when um, parenting in general was not (laughs) compassionate, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but they really 
they suffered because of it. And I don't want that to continue. And I'm so appreciative of autistic adults and uh, neurodiverse adults on social media who are really sharing their experiences Mm -hmm. and helping people to understand and accept um, just that there's different brains, neurotypes. It's uh, a natural thing to have diversity. You look at flowers, there's not just one beautiful flower. There's thousands. It's very fascinating being mm-hmm. uh, seeing neurodiversity really explored and researched currently and how it's being shared through social media. Um, it's it's <laughs> Social media is such a funny thing like that. It can be so I know. ridiculous, but also... It can be such a great educational tool. It's kind of peculiar. (laughs) It is. I feel mixed like you do as well. Like parts of me love it. And then other parts of me say, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah. But also that is really fantastic that I'm learning things. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) About ADHD and girls and women um, Mm. and that, I thought my daughter was neurotypical and uh, through homeschooling her, I found myself having the inner dialogue of like, why can't you just sit down and why can't you stop talking for two seconds? (laughs) And I started learning about ADHD in girls and how it presents. And all of a sudden her sensory uh, needs made sense and her big feelings made sense and her um, big personality it just like all the pieces fit together I'm like oh you're not neurotypical you are neurodivergent yes and that's okay right it's just it's just that her brain is processing differently yeah and I think it is such a journey to learn what that means specifically for each individual child that that we're Uh, raising yeah and then to be able to communicate to the school system and to um, help her be able to advocate for her needs and for healthy boundaries and that it's okay to have sensory needs. She goes to school with a chewy necklace, jewelry. Just yesterday, we had to have a conversation that this isn't, it's not a toy because there was an email from the teacher about not sending toys to school. It's a Mm -hmm. distraction. So we talked like, this is not a toy. This is a tool. And it's not for you to be sharing with your friends. It goes in your mouth. Uh, So definitely we're not going to be exchanging it, no hands on it, but really teaching her how to have healthy boundaries so that she doesn't have to suffer in ways that past generations of, of ADHD women who didn't get a diagnosis and who just, you know, they grew up feeling broken. Mm -hmm. And how do we, change the script on that what do we need to do to change the narrative so that these people can feel supported and be able to blossom into their best selves Mm -hmm. teach them strategies give them the right tools in their toolbox Um, how do we do that and then if i can figure that out in my own home with my own children then how do i help other families. That's really kind of where I'm at now is again, using social media to share things that are working for our family. And so that more kids are being supported. 
Well, I love that because just listening to you talk, I can, first of all, feel your passion on this topic of (laughs) neurodivergence. And I love it. I love that. I share the same passion and inside I can feel my heart rate rising because I'm connecting with what you're saying. And then um, the other part that I love is that you are a natural advocate and you advocate it sounds like in so many ways, but being a trailblazer is one and blazing that trail for people that are coming behind you and behind those kids, your children's needs. But also you've created this entire I Want to Tell You book series. And we talked a little bit about that, but I wanted I want to ask you, like, has this been a resource that other parents have tapped into who have children that have really struggled to communicate their needs? Yes. So I, the messages I receive from parents and teachers, um, it's so heartwarming. It really uh, verifies or validates that that this journey has been so worth it. The the kids who have rejected pecs, they've rejected proloquotico, they've rejected lamp, they rejected touch child, like they've done all the trials and nothing is connecting for them. And they mm-hmm. get the books and they just intuitively know how to use them. And mm-hmm. that is amazing. It it makes me so happy. I approached my aunt and uncle about the idea there. They've done, you know, this was five years ago, I believe is when I had the idea, brought it to them. They've had multiple businesses Mm -hmm. and um, they have been in my life and my mom's life and my son's life. And I asked if they would be willing to invest. (laughs) And I, yeah, I was, I'm still like amazed that that they believed in the concept or believed in that I could do something with it. Um, that's really cool. I still have tons of inventory and I do have the goal of developing an app. Uh, whenever people see my son's app, they're always curious about it. Where can I buy that? I'm like, well, I just, it's touch chat, but I wiped it clean and rebuilt it for him. And it's different from the apps that are available. Um, but I have the goal of, of finding an app developer and creating the, I want to tell you app for iPads and, um, Android, but I'm not there yet, mm-hmm. but that is my goal. And their goal is to be able to translate the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to have the sign language translated into other the correct for the country uh, and then translate the green book is all for food so putting culturally appropriate foods in there I would like for the voice for the audio to be somebody who um, that's their language that way the accent is correct I want Mm -hmm. all cultures to be to feel represented Uh, the books are also cost effective Mm -hmm. so that was really important to me I grew up in not a wealthy (laughs) home. So I, you know, had a single mom for a long time and I understand those struggles. So I wanted them to be cost effective so that any home could purchase assistive communication. Um, Mm -hmm. It's much harder to purchase an iPad and the protective case and then the $300 app on top of it. Uh, I wanted this to be like, you spend $20, you start communicating. I really 
want it to be something that families could begin using right away. It doesn't cost too much. And that even grandparents come over or the babysitter comes over and they intuitively know how to use the books. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's such a steep learning curve with other assistive communication systems. And I wanted this to be easy. Mm -hmm. I wanted kids to know how to use it. I wanted grandparents to know how to use it. There are stories of the older sister teaching the youngest younger sister to push the mama button uh, and mom comes in the room which is a really great cause and effect like an immediate response immediate yes an immediate response yeah and um that's an actual story that i've been told (sighs) the old sister teaches the two-year-old sister to push mama and mama comes in the room perplexed and oh you know big sister's teaching little sister how to communicate so the the learning curve was really important to me my son struggled and and i didn't want um I, i could see that there was what was designed already wasn't working for kids like my son and i know there's a big push in the speech language pathologist world for always going for a robust high-tech system mm-hmm. and i see the value in that it did not work for my son mm-hmm. that's actually what i noticed about your book series as i was looking through um, some of the book offerings that you have they the videos that i was watching that you have posted like okay this is simplified and fun and yeah. Honestly, even with just those two things, and there's more to it. There's so much more. It's it has so much value. But for a child, simple yeah. and fun, what more would you want? Yeah, two, three, four-year-old. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times kids also have access to iPads for other things. And if we're offering a high-tech, robust system, um, we're just getting lost kind of in the digital world. Mm-hmm. And this is a book. But mm-hmm. I love books. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the design elements, the, the pages are board book, that um, thick, sturdy material. Mm-hmm. When I designed these, every book in our house had bite marks on it from my son seeking <laughs> some input on books. He chewed mm-hmm. on all the books. So I wanted <laughs> to make sure that um, in terms of durability, these can be wiped off if they're, you know, we use it a lot of communication around mealtime. So mm-hmm. I want it to be, you can just wipe it off with a wash washcloth. Uh, it's going to stand up to feet. I've had parents send me videos of their child using their toes to push the buttons <laughs> to communicate. I wanted, um, I have a picture of the child set up hopscotch with the books and was jumping the books. And th- that's what kids do. Mm-hmm. We need, treating children like children mm-hmm. and accepting that that's <laughs> that's part of it <laughs> well i love it for those of you that are listening i want to give you a couple places you can find these books and that you can follow natasha first of all she's on instagram at i want to tell you books and then also you can find her you can go to www.iwanttotellyoubooks.com and i clicked there and it gives you a lot of different options um, for ordering the books and just 
just kind of looking at what the offerings are. And there's a full series you can order or you can order book by book. It's it's a great there's some great options there. Is there any other a form of communication with you that I'm missing, Natasha? Um, Instagram and uh, the website are definitely my top two methods of communicating. And even if, if a parent wants to share a victory, they have a question um, that they just need somebody to brainstorm with. Mm-hmm. I make myself available through Instagram messaging. Um, if you, if a parent is just like struggling with something like, let's talk about it, let's figure out a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make use of my social media content mm-hmm. and present for it to be a community and of support and it is a positive resource um this is a place of solutions and support um, i so- love that solutions and support i love it that was so well said so thank you so much for recording with me today and for just being a part of this conversation and for what you've created for parents to help their children learn to communicate their needs thank you so much i i really appreciate um you having me on today Well, it's been my pleasure. And for those of you listening, I'd also like to tell you that you can follow me on Instagram at navigating.the.spectrum. 